The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, we welcome you here and we're glad that you were able to spend time with us today. Would y'all join me in a prayer? I would like to pray over us and just say, God is so good to us. He is for us and He's not against us. That He loves us, He wants to take care of us, 
and I would just encourage everyone to reach out to Him, seek Him, and enjoy what He does for us in our lives, Lord. We thank You, Father, for what You're doing in this church. We praise You, Father, for everything that You've done, how You've carried us through COVID, Father, how You've watched over us, and You've made a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, we love You and we praise You today. In Jesus' name, amen.
headline breaks And we start to hate again We're calling them names again And we can give our peace away I hope they see it Cause I wanna see I hope we believe it I wanna see, I wanna see the love It's all around you It's all around you I wanna know, I wanna know that love it's all Day by day, hope fades away and then we know that there is pain within that we cannot medicate. Learn to feel, learn to begin again, open our eyes again. See our brother's pain I hope they see it Cause I wanna see it I hope we believe it I wanna see, I wanna see the love It's all around you Ecclesia. My name is Asher Castillo, for those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet yet. And I get to serve our community through uh, hospitality and technology. 
Um, and as we just continue our worship through giving and just are reminded of the work we do by sharing the gospel and caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond. And just as we care well for our children during this time, just with gratitude, I want us to each consider our part in this offering. And uh, would you please join me in saying this prayer? Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous as you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family and in all things, may you be glorified. Amen. see this is pastor chris and i want to share with you a few of the things that are going on exciting things in our community and opportunities for us to continue to be the people we're made to be and love people well i'll be headed back to lake charles over the next few days already i'm bracing myself as i talk to pastor friends there that literally literally had just tried to move back into their house just got power on again and now the power's off and the tarps are blown off and I think about these brothers and sisters, and all I can think is that we're made to help carry their load. Paul reminds us well in Galatians 6, right? And he tells us this, he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We have our own struggles. I've got mine, you've got yours, but we're also made to help and serve. He goes up forward and he says this, he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We want to care for our brothers and sisters all across the globe. This week, our brother Marcelo Robles has come in from Argentina. It's been a hard run for him caring for people. And we're just providing some soul care, an opportunity for him to get back in a swimming pool and exercise after being cooped up in his apartment for much of the year. And we're going to be looking for opportunities to love and serve one another. I want to invite you to continue to do that. We're not together every day anymore, but Ecclesia, we will be together. I can't wait to see you on October 24th. Our outdoor services are something we call Evensong. And on Saturday the 24th, you can show up right behind our building here at 1100 Elder and we're gonna worship, we're gonna pray. We're gonna add a little fun because it's gonna be close to Halloween. We're gonna let our kids dress up. We're gonna find some ways to share some treats with them. It's gonna be a great night. You can go to the website and register, hold your spot. I can't wait to see you. I'm so excited to share with you that on October 25th, we're going to launch some new discipleship groups. They're going to be great. Jim Doremus is going to lead a study on Ruth. You can dig deep into the scripture. It'll be an amazing class and an opportunity to interact with both the scripture and with other people. Sean Palmer is going to be leading a deep dive into the Enneagram. Get deep into your number and learn more about how to function as a healthy person, given the reality of who you are. The Enneagram has taught me so much. Sean brings some great insight and you're not going to want to miss that. And lastly, Mike Yeager is going to be hosting a class where you get to watch some films together. It's called Sacred Frames. You're going to watch some films. You're going to discuss them. I don't know about you, but in this season, I need something to distract me from the problems of the world. 
the political conversations, and just watching a good movie and discussing what God might be saying to us through it is a great opportunity. So if you wanna participate in any of those classes, you can sign up on our website. Those happen on Sunday and they're a gift. Last week, we had to cancel an event we were really excited about on our West Side campus. It's a sacred prayer encounter. We rescheduled that event for November the 7th on our West Side campus. So you can register as well on the website. So whatever you're up to this week, Ecclesia, let's pull together, um, find a way to care well for yourselves and care for others. And let's get through this year strong and well. God bless you. Thank you for joining us as we worship, celebrate, and now we open the scriptures with our dear brother, Sean. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you. I'm sure you've heard this already, you've felt this already, but aren't you like super ready to be done with 2020? And this has been the craziest year. And the truth is it doesn't sound like it's gonna get any less crazy. Like we are still seven months now into a global pandemic. And do you remember this summer we had murder hornets? And at the same time, like here in Houston, there was a brain eating bacteria in the water in parts of the city. Like it's been absolutely nuts. We've had so many hurricanes this year that we ran out of names for hurricanes. And that's just, that's just the stuff that we know about that you can see in the news. There are, there are a lot of things that have happened over the last year that hardly anyone talks about. Like, do you realize that a star, a star went missing? Like there's a star that astronomers have observed that's like 75 million light years away. And when they went looking for it again later this year, like it was just gone, just not where it was supposed to be. And, and they think this may be the only star that has ever collapsed without becoming a black hole. That's, that's something that's happened this year. Did you also know that like Poland accidentally invaded the Czech Republic? Like there was this miscommunication and they went into this part of the Czech Republic they weren't supposed to go to. They closed down a church. They wouldn't allow anybody in. Like it just lasted a few hours before everything was cleared up. They accidentally invaded a whole other country. And also in 2020, the Pentagon released videos of three UFOs, just things that they didn't know what they were. They had been tracking for a long time. This has been a crazy year. And it's been so crazy that Kate, my 13 year old, uh, just last week, after we were watching the, the late night, the 10 o'clock news, some other weird, odd, crazy thing happened. And she just grabbed her phone. She was heading up to bed and she says, that's a wrap. Jesus just needs to come back. And I thought, you know what? She, she may not be wrong. Like it may be time to just wrap the whole thing up. Have you ever, have you ever felt that way? Just like someone turn out the lights, like, let's go. This thing should be over. Like, what's the point of all this over and over and over again? Have you ever thought like, yeah, Jesus, it's time to come back. I just think this whole year 
has been stressful in a way that none of us anticipated or were prepared for or, or, or could have possibly even have been prepared for. But what it's also done with all of the slowing down, with all of the staying at home, with all of the changes that so many of us have seen is that it's, it's forced us to ask some really hard questions that we might have been able to avoid before. Like never in my life have I talked with so many people who are asking serious questions about what they were supposed to do with their life, what their calling was, who they were supposed to be, what their relationships would look like, what they were doing with their time and their resources and their energy. It's caused a real um, focus on what we're here for and what we're here to do. And I've talked to so many people who have had those questions. And as they think about what life might look like if things return to normal, whatever that is, they're asking questions about whether or not we want to return to normal, whether normal was ever any good at all, or whether all of this change, all of this disruption has afforded us the opportunity to think about what it is that we really want, what we're really called to do, who we're really supposed to be. And those are incredibly large questions. And can you imagine getting to the end of your life and realizing that you had misspent your time? Or maybe you're in a time right now where you don't know what to do with your time. You don't know what to do with your energy. You don't know what relationships you should value and prioritize. I know for me in the last year, there has been a great shift in reorienting some of my relationships, places I was spending a lot of time and trying to put those in an order that made sense for me and my family and for who God created me to be. And so over this last summer, I've been spending time in the book of Matthew every morning reading through. And there's a passage in Matthew where Jesus is doing my favorite thing that Jesus ever does, which is tell stories. And as I was reading the story, it just seemed so odd to me. It's in Matthew 25 and Jesus starts in verse 14. And you need to hear the whole thing because it's a crazy story. Jesus is teaching and he says, he says, this is how it will be. It will be like a landowner who was going on a trip, so he instructed his slaves about caring for his property. He gave five talents to one slave, two talents to the next, and one to the last slave, each according to his ability. Then the man left. Promptly, the man who had been given five talents went out and bartered and sold and turned his five talents into 10, and the one who had received 10 talents went to the market and turned two into four, and the slave who had received just one talent he dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money there. Eventually, the master came back from his travels, found his slaves and settled up with them. The slave who had been given five talents came forward and told his master how he had turned five into 10. Then he handed the whole lot over to his master. And the master says to him, he says, excellent. You proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my great feast and celebrate. 
Then the slave who had been given two talents came forward and told his master how he had turned two into four and handed all four talents to his master. The master says, excellent. You've proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my great feast and celebration. Finally, the man who had been given one talent came forward. The man says to his master, he says, Master, I know you are a hard man, difficult in every way. You can make a healthy sum when others would fail. You profit when others are doing the work. You grow rich on the backs of others. So I was afraid, dug a hole, and hid the talent in the ground. Here, you can have it. And Jesus says, the master was furious. And the master says to his servant, he says, you are a pathetic excuse for a servant. Really the word there is slave. You have disproved my trust in you and squandered my generosity. You know, I always make a profit. You could have at least put this talent in the bank. Then I could have earned a little interest on it. Take that one talent away and give it to the servant who doubled my money from five to 10. You see, everything was taken away from the man who had nothing, but the man who had something got even more. And as for the slave who made no profit but buried his talent in the ground, his master ordered his slaves to tie him up, throw him outside into the other darkness where there is misery, mourning, and great fear. Now I've read and I've heard that story my entire life. And when I read about that landowner, I think this guy's a jerk. Like here he is, he owns slaves. His own slaves think that he's a hard and difficult man. He uses the slave's work to enrich himself, but he's their master. And besides, like who does something like this? Like who gives their servants these talents and just kind of up and leaves, just hits the road, no real instructions, doesn't say when he's gonna come back. He doesn't say, hey, whatever you do, don't go dig this in the ground. Just like here, have this and go do something with it. No plan. And then the low guy, the guy who only got one talent in the first place, when the master comes back, even though he's at the bottom of the pecking order, well, he just gets more pecking again. And if you're a slave, this is just weird. And I know the way a lot of people understand that story is that, that Jesus is the master and he's giving talents to people. But does that, does that sound like Jesus? Is Jesus hard and difficult man? Does Jesus want to earn on the backs of others? When you read this story, this landowner doesn't have to be Jesus, but what we do know is that he's the master. And there's also another way to understand this story, that Jesus is telling this story, not as the way that it will be, but it's just the way that it is. Like this is the way that economic structures work in the world that the rich get richer at the hands of the poor. 
and that they treat poor people any way that they want to, that they can tell them what to do or they can tell, not tell them what to do and they will punish them for what they do or they don't do all the same. That this is about people with privilege and power and the way they treat people who don't have privilege and power. That Jesus is actually critiquing the way the world functions, the way the world works. And so I was, I was sitting with this parable and wondering what Jesus was up to when I remembered the thing that I love most about Jesus's personality. And that's that Jesus is an incredible storyteller. So one of my favorite storytellers is a guy named Bill Lawrence. And Bill Lawrence is the creative mind behind the television show Spin City. And he did two of my absolute favorite shows, Scrubs and Cougar Town. And basically his television shows work the same way that all sitcoms work. There's an A plot line, a B plot line, and a C plot line. But what's different in Bill Lawrence's storytelling is that even though there are different plot lines, that there's one narrative, one theme throughout the whole show. And at the end, the viewer is supposed to get that theme, to learn that lesson, the same way that the characters learn the lesson in all three plot lines. And so Jesus just doesn't plop down from nowhere to tell this story about this landowner, that he is in the middle of telling several stories. And the first story that Jesus tells is about a master who has two servants. And one of them he describes as wise, the kind of person that you could leave in charge of anything and he would do exactly what the master wanted him to do and he would do it so well, so exemplary, that it would be perfect. And then there's this foolish servant. And the story Jesus tells about the foolish servant is that the master goes away and he stays away so long that the foolish servant becomes convinced that the master's just not coming back. And so what he does is he starts to get drunk, he starts to use all the master's stuff, and he starts to beat the other servants, the other slaves. And when the master does come back, Jesus says the master has this servant cut to pieces and thrown into darkness. And the second story Jesus tells is about 10 bridesmaids and they're waiting for a bridegroom to come. And so it's at night, so they all grab their lanterns, but five of the bridesmaids, they take extra oil and they go and wait. Well, it takes so long for the bridegroom to come that the five who didn't bring extra oil, their lanterns start to burn out. And they turn to the other five and they're like, hey, um, can we borrow some of your extra oil? And they're like, no, you got to get your own. So as these first five that didn't bring extra oil, as they leave to go get more oil, the bridegroom comes and he takes the five with extra oil and they go inside to a party and close the door and lock it behind them. And then those five come back finally with all the oil that they need and they knock on the door and the bridegroom goes, no, you're not coming in. And then Jesus tells the story about these three slaves and this landowner. And as I look at those stories, one thing runs throughout all of them that I think Jesus wants us to get. 
the master, the bridegroom, the landowner, they are all coming back. And the mistake that these people make is that they forget to live their lives, to prioritize their lives in a way that remembers that the master is coming back. Now, I know that most of us have seen too many sidewalk preachers holding up signs about the end of the world. We've watched televangelists talk about revelation and what's gonna happen at the end and things like tribulation and rapture. And we just don't wanna be associated with that. We don't wanna be associated with all the dogma and all the punishment associated with it, all the calling people evil. And sometimes that very good, real, healthy distancing from things that are hurtful and toxic and quite frankly, not accurate to what the scriptures teach can lead us to forget to live our lives like the master is coming back. But listen to what Jesus says at the end of his story about the landowner. When the Son of Man comes, and now Jesus is talking about himself. When the Son of Man comes in all his majesty, accompanied by throngs of heavenly messengers, his throne will be wondrous, and all nations will assemble before him, and he will judge them, distinguishing them from one another as a shepherd isolates the sheep from the goats. He will put some, the sheep, at his right hand, and some, the goats, at his left. So like in this really weird, funky, crazy time that we are all enduring together, when so many of us are recalibrating who it is we wanna be, where we wanna spend our time, our energy, our resources, how does Jesus want us to live? Well, he says, you need to live like the master is coming back. In each of these three stories, there's this beautiful principle of how to live. So with the two servants, the wise and the foolish servant, how we treat people matters. You all know that we are in an election season and things are very tense and very partisan. How do you treat people? How are you gonna to choose to treat people? How do the people you support treat people? Because what Jesus says is that if you treat, if we treat the other people around us poorly, then we will be thrown into darkness. How we treat people matters. What we say, where we say it, how we say it, how do you treat your spouse, your wife, your husband, your kids, your coworkers in really difficult, intense times? How we treat people actually matters to Jesus. That following Jesus isn't just about believing certain things and practicing certain rituals on certain days. It's not about going to places on a certain day. How we treat people matters and it matters greatly. 
the bridesmaids. 10 are prepared and 10 aren't prepared. Jesus says, stay woke. Actually, the, the words Jesus uses, they're literally, be alert, stay woke, stay awake, stay attentive to the move of God in your life and in your world. That things are happening, that God is moving, that the bride, bridegroom is up to something and you may not see it, you may not know it, but it's happening. And our job is to be alert, to be awake for what God is doing to keep our eyes peeled for the Spirit's move in our lives, in our family, in our church, or around the world, and to respond to that, to be prepared for God to do something, to be so confident that Jesus is up to something in the world that we stay prepared to respond to where the bridegroom will be and what the bridegroom is doing. And then this landowner, use your gifts. Now, there's not a person I know who has all the gifts that they think they want or they think they need or they think their life is the way that they want it. But part of our job is to use the gifts we have. And you may not think it's very much, just like I'm sure the servant who got one talent was like, man, that other guy got nine more. But our job's to do something with it. So how you treat people matters. Being alert, being awake to the move of God matters. And using your gifts matter. And I don't know for you if that will fix, if that will solve all of the tensions and disruptions in your life. But I think it's enough to be your job right now. And it's enough to be your job forever. Because I think if we look at the grand sweep of Jesus' life, there are three things that Jesus did that we know that he always did. He treated people well. He stayed attentive to the movement of God. And he used his gifts to bless other people. And church, may it be so with you that this week as you walk and live, as you breathe and move in the body and the family and the town, the city that God has given you, treat people well, be attentive to the move of God and use your gifts. Let me pray for you. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear who you are calling us to be and in seasons of change and disruption, to be steadfast in the things that you have called us to be that are eternal and are beautiful. And as we turn our attention to what Jesus has done for us, as we focus on the lives that we have received through his grace, may we also be empowered through his spirit to live out all that you have made us to be. And we ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Well, hello, friends. Uh, it's been so good to be together today. I hope you sensed and felt God's presence with you wherever you are. I hope you heard his voice speaking into your soul and not just read words off of a page. 
And it's my joy and honor to invite you to the table where we get to pause to remember Christ's death and his resurrection. And it's always a privilege to get to do this together. And I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus paused to give thanks and just how powerful that small, tiny thing is and how often I need that space to pause and just give thanks. Even when I don't want to, maybe even especially when I don't want to, to be reminded that this bread actually returns sustenance to my life. It actually gives me strength. That this wine or this juice is refreshing to my body and in so many ways that our act of pausing to give thanks might be the very thing that our soul needs most. And so we're gonna pause today and we're gonna give thanks for Christ's body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. And as we prepare to come to the table to give thanks, to remember, I wanna invite you to take a time, take a moment to pause and examine your own heart, to look inside, to be real with ourselves and honest with ourselves and honest with God about who we are and who we long to be, who he's created us to be. So will you pray this prayer of confession with me? Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. And so Ecclesia, just as Jesus paused with his closest followers, and at one point in the meal, he got up and he took the bread and he broke it. And it was bread very much like this piece of matzah I'm holding. Maybe you've got crackers, maybe you've got bread wherever you are, whatever bread you have, may you pause and may you give thanks for it, just as he gave thanks and he broke it. And then he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then also after the meal, he took the cup and he lifted it up and he gave thanks. And he said, this cup is my blood. It's a new covenant and it's poured out for you. And as often as you eat and drink, will you remember me? And so God, we pause to remember your, your presence in our lives, your sustaining grace that you rejuvenate and restore us, that we are not the source, but you are, and that you are with us. And so as we eat and drink today, may the very act of thanksgiving bring life and peace into our souls, our homes, into our world. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. May you taste and see. Amen.
Good morning, Ecclesia. My name is Shelby Edmondson and I'm one of the kids volunteers. And this week I had the pleasure of sharing um, with our kids. We've been in a series about kindness and empathy. And today we talk specifically about how those things might make us different and why we should continue to be kind and empathetic anyways. Um, please join me as we pray over our kids today. God, we know you want us to be different. You want us to be kind and empathetic to everyone we meet, just like you are. We ask that you give us strength and wisdom to be kind every day. We want to be different just like you are. We love you. Amen. Ecclesia, as a benediction today, we look ahead into the continued unknown seeking hearts of perseverance and trust. So listen to these words from the prophet Habakkuk singing to God. Even if the fig tree does not blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, if the olive trees fail to give fruit and the fields produce no food, if the flocks die far from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, then I will still rejoice in the eternal. I will rejoice in the God who saves me. The eternal Lord is my strength. He has made my feet like the feet of a deer. He allows me to walk in the high places. So even if, Ecclesia, we will continue to choose worship. We will continue to choose love and service. Whatever your even if, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.